Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to see everyone here. I, uh, yeah, if if you all are feeling as much anticipation and excitement as I am right now, it's a wonder the place isn't exploding. <laughs> um, I was last week with the snow and everything. I that was a. I had some real mixed feelings because I did not want to drive up here in four inches of snow, but I was ready to preach. <laughs> so what do you do? Well, I I uh, just kept on studying until this morning, I guess. Uh, I'd like to, before I start with the message, I'd just like to, to thank all of you for for your support and prayers and your love. Um, during this time, um, I feel very strongly that the, the people we surround ourselves with is a is a very big part of who we are as a person. And so, who I am today is very much a result of of you, uh, the the love that you have given to me. Um, and and so that that makes it much easier to step into this role of, of being a pastor. And um, I, as, as James prayed, that there would not be any fear of performing. I, I can honestly say I do not have any fear of having to perform or, you know, speak a certain length of time or speak in a certain manner or stand a certain way or, or whatever. You know, I feel pretty free to um, be who I am, I guess. Um, and and many of you have also expressed that 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 you know you just that I don't have to do that and that you just want me to be myself and as well as our family. Um, I'd also like to thank you for for the vision that you have for my family. Um, as with any additional responsibility, this could create a, a conflict within our family. And I am, I am very grateful for the support of my wife and my sons, and also very grateful for the support of, of you as a church family in supporting me in, first of all, um, ministering to my family. Um, I, I think that that also makes it easier for me to step into this role. Um, I was also blessed with the way that Delbert, when he was here over the ordination, the way that he mentioned that that he wants to speak gently, and I like that term. I think uh, I had to think of when Jesus spoke at the temple. And the people were amazed because he spoke as one with authority and not as the scribes. And I don't know how the scribes talked, but I imagine that they had a proper way of talking. But Jesus met the people's hearts. And so I want to do the same. I want to speak from my heart. I want to, the messages that I share, I want to... Uh, you know, I just want to share what God is doing in my life, and and to um, to meet 
connect with your hearts. Uh, I also thought maybe I would mention just very briefly where I came from <laughs> as far as Fry is not a, um, you know, and, and actually this, Henry called me today, the Saturday after the voting, and he said, hey, I, I have people asking me, who is this Jake Fry? What, where does he, you know, where does he come from? <laughs> and, you know, so I thought, well, maybe, uh, I think most of you know, but maybe there's a few of you that don't, um, since, you know, it's not a Yoder or a Martin or a Hostetler that grew up in Napanee. Maybe I would just say that I was born in Mount Forest, Ontario. That's where my dad grew up. My mom grew up up here by Wakarusa, and um, so I was born in Mount Forest, Ontario. We lived there till I was three, and we moved back down here to Wakarusa is where I grew up. And so if you want to know more than that, there's a lot of things that happened in between there, but I would be, uh, I'd be glad to share that at your house for Sunday lunch sometime. <laughs> So, this morning I would like to look at, um, I, I've titled the message, and I, I failed to get this to Cheryl, I had the wrong phone number, and so I thought I got it to her, but she didn't get it. I've titled the message, Exploring God's Unconditional Love. And we're going to be looking some at First John chapter 4, some verses in there. But first of all, I would like to look at Mark chapter 12. You can turn there if you want. Um, the basis for this message basically comes from a question that was on the questionnaire that the rest of the pastors had for me at the interview we did um, the Sunday before the Saturday before the ordination. And the question was simply this. What does loving God with all your heart look like? So, what does that look like? We, we want to explore that this morning. Um, and so, the, the passage, that's we find that in, in two places in Scripture. One is in Matthew and one is in Mark here. I like Mark's version a little bit better because he includes a few details that, that I think are important. Um, or, or that I connect with, I guess. And so, let's read that starting in Mark... Chapter 12, verse 28. And, and here, Jesus had just had a conversation with the Pharisees, and so the scribes came, and they thought they would have their turn. Then one of the scribes came and heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. 
and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared to question him. <coughs> so there's two things that caught my attention in this passage. The first one is that Jesus, um, he, he reiterates a commandment from the Old Testament, and he, he says that this is the first commandment, and he, this, this is still is. And the second thing is, without obeying this commandment, we will not see the kingdom of God. Because we, we see that in the last verse, when he says, when he answers the scribe the second time and, and, and tells him that you are not far. So, unless, you know, what we're seeing there is unless the scribe understands completely what Jesus is talking about, he will not see the kingdom of God. So, it's imperative that we understand this. What is Jesus talking about in this commandment. So I would just simply ask the question again, you know, and, and you don't have to answer, but what, what does this look like to me? That's the question that I had to ask myself. What exactly is loving God with all your heart? What does that look like? And as I, as I wrestled with this, I... Uh, You know, I think there's many ways that we can that we can we could answer that, and that we could try to do that. Um, I had to think of a of a monk. It's <laughs> something that came to my mind. Someone that is is very dedicated and very very um, you know they separate themselves from the rest of society and they live their lives completely um, separated from the rest of society in an effort to to love God. Now, um, this isn't to say that monks, you know, that they're not Christians. I, I don't know. But, um, and there's many other things that we can do in our own lives. Uh, I, a, maybe a, an example that we can connect with a little better is I, I just read this um, this week, actually, <coughs> on a blog that I follow of a of another pastor and he he had a man in his office and the man had he was middle-aged and had lived a a very uh, had made some wrong choices and ended up um, recognizing the results of his wrong choices and he was wanting to turn his life around and he was in this pastor's office and he's weeping and he's asking this pastor to help him to learn how to pray and to he even wanted he wanted to help have the pastor help him to understand and learn Greek so that he can study the scripture better. And he wanted to to help have the pastor help him devise a plan to read scripture so that he can study the scriptures. And and there was more things, and all of them were good things. But without w without being regenerated, those things can become just empty things that we do 
that that are of our own strength. And you know, we could even go to uh, we can even go to scripture and and find things that we can do. Um, just a few examples. Um, Matthew chapter seven verse twelve. Therefore, whatever you do to men, whatever you want men to do to you. Do also to them, for that is the law and the prophets. You know, we can we can find things like that that we can do, and it's an action that we can do. Um, Romans chapter twelve. There's a whole list of of external things that we can we can go there and we can say, well, let's we do this and we do this and we do not do this and we do not do this, and now we have loved God. Uh, And all those things are an important part in a believer's life. If those things are missing in someone's life, I would question whether they have been, um, you know, whether there is life. But there's so many things like that that we do in order to, to have done something. Um. And so as I wrestled with this, with this question, what does loving God look like? I think what we need to understand and what I would like to explore this morning is the definition of love. What exactly does God mean when he says that we need to love him? How does that look? And in order to do that, I think we need to explore what where, where love comes from, what love is, and b- because we as people, we have a skewed understanding of what love is. Our society, our just, just who we are as, if, if we are not born again and regenerated, who, what we, um, what we would call love is actually not love. Um, and so, you know, we we speak about, you know, I love pizza because whatever, I like it. And we, there's things that we like and we love. And if you, if you think about those things, you know, we might even love certain people. But if you, if you really examine that relationship, the reason you love that thing or person is because you get something in return. So that is not the real definition of love. That is just simply people relating to each other. Um, So I would like to this morning to explore how God loves and and what that looks like, and to we, we, what we need we, we need to um, we need to develop a basis of what love is, so we know what we're looking at. How we know what we're basing our definition of love off when we consider the question: What? How do we love God? So the scripture I'd like to turn to for that is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And there's 
There's several other verses we'll look at, but the first, the first verses that I would like to look at there is John chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. And there's, there's the, the whole epistle of John there is, is, talks a lot about love, but uh, let's, I'll just read it. Let's start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for God it, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So here we see in this verse that God is the source of love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is the very essence of love. He, because he is love, he is the very essence of love, he also therefore is the source of love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the prop propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, God is, what, what we get from this scripture is that God is love, and he is the very essence of love, and outside of God, we will not know love. God's love is, is, is unconditional. It does not matter what we think about him, or what, where, it does not matter where we're at in life. God is still love. Romans 5.8 is clearly demonstrates this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Christ died for us knowing that many people would never accept him and that they would totally reject and ignore his love. And Christ died before any of us, before there was nothing he was not obligated. He didn't owe us anything. Ephesians one four, I, I, in the in the in Paul's uh, opening there to the Ephesians, um, starting in verse four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according the good pleasure of his will so before the foundation of the world they this this plan was in place that this you know the very essence of god was loving us and there was nothing in return at, the, at that point and so In order for us to, to, to help us understand that, I, I don't know what that looks like to you in your mind, but I would like to, to, to just imagine this podium being a, a big heater. And what I kind of imagine in my mind is, you know, one of those kerosene heaters that has a round wick and... and you know, they make a little red glow. Now, just multiply that times a thousand, and it's, it's just this 
you know, we have this big, big heater here, and it makes heat. And it that heat is felt by whoever, by everyone in this room. And it doesn't care, it, it doesn't care what you think of it. It is, it's just, you, you, it just keeps on radiating its love. And how we, you know, you can, you can, you can be back there and you can say, I don't, I don't even believe that that heater exists. It's not there. It, nope, it, I mean, everything, it, that's just not, why would you believe in something like that? It, guess what? The heater still radiates its love. It doesn't demand anything from anyone, but it's just there. And if you start responding and you become, you come a little closer and a little closer, that, that heat, you, 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 you know, and so you, you feel, <coughs> you feel more of the warmth. Um, and so I don't know if that helps you get a picture. I, I, I guess I kind of like to put pictures, mind pictures to things. Um, an example of how an example of how Jesus and related to people with this type of love is found, I think, in John 4 in the in the parable of Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, if we consider that, and I'm, I'm thinking of, of how we relate to, to this love, to this heat, and also how we relate, how, how this love relates to um, horizontally, uh, to, to other people. Um, <coughs> the story of the woman at the well there in Samaria, the Samaritan woman, we won't necessarily turn there or read it. It's a long account, but and, and we know it well, I think. But there's several things that stood out to me there in, in that Jesus, first of all, it was a little unusual for a Jew traveling from Judea up to Galilee to go directly through Samaria because remember the Samaritans and the Jews were at serious each other. They avoided contact if at all possible. And so often they would go either to the east and go up the Jordan Valley up to Galilee or then they would go out around towards the Mediterranean, you know, along the Mediterranean. However, there was a, a road that went directly through Samaria, which is the road that Jesus chose to go. Um... <coughs> And so they arrive at Jacob's well, and Jesus takes a, a rest there, and the disciples go on into the town to buy food. Um, and the scripture tells us that it, it was about the sixth hour, and most people, I think, would, would from, from Jewish time, that would have been noon, but John most likely was writing... Um, based on Roman time, which would have been evenings. So they probably arrived there in the evening, and it was Jesus was, was tired, 
and here comes this woman, and Jesus initiates a conversation with him, with, with her. Now, there's two things about that that I think are very significant in, in understanding how, how, how Jesus loves unconditionally. And that is, first of all, Jewish men did not talk to women in public. Um, in, in fact, some of, the, uh, some of the really orthodox Pharisees, um, they would actually, when, when they were in, in walking on the street or so, they would, they would cover their eyes, and, and, and they were called bruisers because they were so afraid of seeing a woman that you know, you know they, they would bump into stuff <laughs> and they would uh, and so in that culture it was um, you know women were not they did not have they were not viewed almost they were not viewed as the same the same as as men and so men did not talk to women the second thing is um, you know Jews did not talk to Samaritans I mean this is this is way outside the box. Uh, and, and that's that's really all I'd like to, to, to bring out in, in that um, story, but just simply to show that, that Jesus' love breaks down any social or racial or there is no respecter of persons. Remember the, the, the heater. There I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. That love, since God is the source and the very essence of love, all people have access and, and can receive that same amount that, that of love. So... Back to our question then, how do we love God? I think that in order to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, we need to understand what love is. So we've looked at that, and we've looked at where it comes from and, and what it is. And since we've established that God is love, and the very essence of love, what I would like to leave with you today is that we need to pursue him and know him in order to understand this love. If you're back there, all the way back there in, in the foyer, you might feel a little bit of the heat, but pursue the heat. Um, and, and scripture is full of, of admonition and um, Jesus' teachings of, of, you know, continually calling people out and asking to follow, to follow him. Um, just a few verses, Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Um, another one in Matthew 10, verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And Colossians 3, 1. Now, chapter 3, verse 1. And if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of er on the earth. 
and many there's there's many more verses and 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 the whole the whole uh can't get the word I want but but the new testament Jesus is calling I guess is, is to to pursue and follow him and I my favorite verse on that I think is in Hebrews 11 Hebrews chapter 11 the faith chapter verse 6 and I, I think it's significant that this verse is is sandwiched here in the middle of this chapter but without faith it is impossible to please him for he for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if we, if we, take, if, if we study that chapter, what were, what were those, how did those people get into that chapter? What were they doing? If you really take one of those people in there, Abraham, for example, we just studied through him in, in uh, Sunday school in Genesis, and it is an obedience of following after God. We've seen Abraham wasn't perfect. You know, there was failures in his life. But again, he would get up and he would, he would pursue after because, because of he understood that God is a rewarder of those who pursue him. The, the definition of diligent, I, I love that word there, and that is, is to characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort. So um, we, we need to, to pursue and understand that love. Um, two things I would like to leave with you. And that is just simply that God is love. He's the source of love, the very essence of love. The second thing is, in order to understand that, we need to pursue that and seek to know him. Um, I should have maybe said at the beginning that we will probably need to address this um, issue of loving God next time. But for this morning, I, I think... I want to close with a, uh, a short uh, a little story here that I think illustrates, uh, I connected with it well on how it illustrates God's unconditional love and our limited conditional love, how we tend to naturally love people and God and how that God is all people have the same value. This is taken from uh, Gregory Boyd's book, uh, Repenting of Religion, Turning from Judgment to the Love of God. And he writes, uh, I am sitting in a mall on a Saturday afternoon. As I sip my Coke and relax, I study people. I notice that some are pretty and some are not. Some are, some are slender, some are obese. On the basis of what they wear, their facial expressions, the way they relate to their spouses, friends, or kids, I conclude some are godly while some are ungodly. Some give me a warm feeling as I watched their tenderness towards, the, towards
towards their children. Others make me angry and disgusted. Then suddenly I noticed that I am noticing all this. Believing as I do that every activity we engage in, including our thinking, is for a purpose, I begin to wonder what purpose this silent commentary about other people is serving. After a moment's introspection, I realized it is on some level making me feel good. In a sense, it is feeding me. It is satisfying some need I have to stand in judgment over people. Deep down, I enjoy being the one who, at least before the tribunal of my own mind, gets to pronounce the verdict. Pretty? Ugly? Fat? Godly? Ungodly? Disgusting? Cute? And so on. With this insight came another. This one, I'm sure, prompted by the Holy Spirit. I recall that Jesus taught Wherever we go, our first responsibility is to bless people. I recall scripture teaches us to think and speak evil of no one. Instantly, I was convicted by how many non-blessings, non-blessing thoughts, indeed, how many cursing thoughts I had been entertaining without even being aware of it. So I stopped. I determined to have one thought and one thought only about every person I saw in the mall on that afternoon. That thought was to love them and bless them as people uniquely created by God who have infinite worth because Jesus died for them. Whatever they looked like, however they were behaving, whatever their demeanor, I simply agreed with God that each of them has infinite worth. I just love them. I began randomly selecting people in the crowd to love and bless. As I replaced judgmental thoughts with loving thoughts and prayers of blessings, something extraordinary began to happen. I began to see the worth I was ascribing to people, and I began to feel the love I was giving to them. As I ascribed worth to people, not allowing any other thought, opinion, or feeling to enter my mind, my heart began to expand. In fact, at certain moments, I felt as though I would explode with love. I was waking up to the immeasurable value and beauty of each person in the mall that afternoon. Sitting in the mall, sipping a Coke, enjoying God's creations, I was experiencing the heart of God. It felt like finding home after having been lost for a long time. It was like waking up from a coma. It was like finding undiluted truth when all you'd known up to that point was the watered-down kind. I felt as though I was remembering something I had long since forgotten or unveiling something I had been covering my whole life. The, joy, the love, joy, and peace I was experiencing as I dwelt in this place, and it did seem like a mental and spiritual place was beyond description. Yet I also was filled with a profound sense of compassion for people. In waking up, I saw not only the God-given worth of people, but also the many ways this worth is suppressed in our lives. Leaving judgment behind, 
I sensed on a profound level the loneliness, the fear, the pain, and the emptiness of, many, of the many people I observed. I recalled the gospel speak of Jesus' compassion toward the multitudes that followed him. And I felt I was beginning to see what Jesus saw that evoked his emotion. As I reflected on this experience, I believe I was in my own way participating in God's seeing and God's feeling for people. I believe I was participating in his love. That's all I have. I'll turn the time over to James. <laughs>